Hi there, and welcome to another interview. Today, I've got the wonderful Richard Smith from Keto Pro, and I'm going to ask him the question I ask everybody that comes on as a guest. Hey, Richard, why did you become carnivore? Hey, Stephen. Um, the journey for me began um, over 10 years ago. I used to be clinically obese. I was type 2 diabetic. I suffered with chronic fatigue, depression, anxiety, arthritic pains uh, in my mid to late 20s. I could barely walk up the stairs without stopping or being severely out of breath. Uh, the migraines were the worst thing for me. I was on a myriad of medication for migraines that would make me blind, um, which would happen almost every day. So I was on a myriad of medications to, to keep these migraines away. Uh, I was covered in acne and I was, uh, it was a sad state of affairs, I'll be honest. Um, I put it down to getting older. I was only in my mid-20s, <laughs> but I put it down to getting older. Um, and I was facing the reality that I would have to be on medication for the rest of my life for diabetes. Uh, this was something that I was not willing to accept. So I decided to experiment with, with different foods, different lifestyles, now, I was told by my doctor that uh, these medications were, were for life. Uh, it's a fact of life. There's nothing that I can do about it, but I refuse to believe this. So I began um, changing the different foods that, that I was consuming. Yes, I went through spells of eating unhealthy, uh, but I generally ate what I believed to be healthy at the time. I ate from the food pyramid. I consumed food from the eat well plate. Um, you know, I put my steps in, uh, I con uh, consumed my whole grains, um, I avoided my saturated fats and my butters, I cooked my food in seed oils, uh, and I became more unwell. Nothing uh, I decided to implement seemed to be having an impact on my health until I took bread out of my diet. I removed bread for the simple fact that it used to bloat me. I used to feel bloated whenever I consumed bread. I removed the bread from my diet. Uh, and my belly began to shrink. Now, I've always had this, this um, impression in my head that uh, a man should have a bigger chest than, than his belly. And, and if I could, uh, could extend my, my chest and br bring my belly in, then I would be happy in life. You know, it, it almost gave this impression that I wasn't so overweight. Uh, now, at my peak, I was 17 stone. Um, my body fat percentage was over 60%. Um, so... Super unhealthy, but the bread made a, a fantastic difference. It made a, a massive difference. Within one to two months, I, I dropped 28 pounds from restricting bread in my diet. I felt a whole lot better. The bloating had subsided substantially. And I bumped into a friend of mine who said that I was probably ketogenic. Now, I had never heard of the term ketogenic or ketosis, keto. To me, this was a swear word. You know, I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. So I began to do a little bit of research and I thought, well, I must be. I'm restricting carbohydrates to, to this degree that I must be in a ketogenic state. So I tested on the urine test strips and I was negative. My body was not producing or wasting ketones. Um, so I researched further and I was still consuming lots of foods that I deemed to be healthy foods that I believed to be low carb, which were in fact incredibly high in carb and foods that are low in carb, but are high in a carbohydrate binding protein called lectins, which also impact um, the insulin. Um, and lectins can cause five times uh, more fat storage effect than insulin does itself. And that's something we can go into a little bit later if you like. But there were lots of foods and effects within the body that were causing me to, to gain this weight. So I decided to persevere and, and edge a little deeper into this metabolic state of ketosis. Uh, it took me a further two weeks to get my head around the foods that I should and should not be eating. And looking back now, it was ever so simple. I don't know why I made it so difficult. I think what we are shown in the media and what we are told by the general medical community um, almost puts blinkers uh, on us, uh, you know, as a society, it gives us this tunnel vision and we can't see outside the box, but it is so, so simple. Uh, the way I live now is so, so simple. Uh, and again, we can go into that in a little bit more detail, but I persevered. It took me a further two weeks to become ketogenic and I'm not going to lie. This was the worst two weeks of my life. Um, I genuinely thought that I was going to die and I remember one one night going to bed, I said to my wife that, um, look, I think 
I'm going to die. I feel so unwell. Uh, will you come and check on me in 20 minutes? Now, someone may ask, uh, well, if, if you felt so unwell, why would you persevere? Uh, and unfortunately, this was the state that I was in mentally. Um, I suffered with depression and anxiety. And despite having a loving wife and you know a little girl, I was heavily depressed suffered with this 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 anxiety and i didn't want to live a life that i couldn't be happy it living and this may sound selfish but unless people have experienced depression anxiety before it's a difficult one to to explain but i think most of us can relate to that i almost wanted to change the way that i felt i wanted to change uh, my outlook on life and to me if i could change the way that i look then it would change the way that i felt so i was willing to persevere and i did i went to bed um, I thought that I, I was going to die, and I didn't die. Obviously, I'm sat here in front of you chatting today. Uh, I woke up the next day feeling like a million dollars, the best that I had ever felt in my life. Um, I later come to, to find that what I was experiencing was keto flu, or what used to be known as the Atkins flu. And again, we can we can discuss what causes this and the effects of this but, uh, a little bit later on. But uh, there are ways to negate this. But this seems to be the big stumbling block with people gravitating into a keto or carnival-based lifestyle. Uh, but it, it's easily remedied. Uh, but I persevered. Um, the following 12 months saw a reduction of seven stone, 107 pound fat loss. I'd reversed my diabetes. I was migraine-free, depression, anxiety-free. The acne that I'd suffered with all my life had, had completely disappeared. Um, I could leave my house. Now, I worked at the time as a purchasing manager for an electrical engineering company. Uh, I would leave my box, my house. I would jump into a metal box. I would drive my metal box to another box. And I would walk from my metal box into this big box and go into my little box inside this bigger box. My life was spent living in boxes in fear of other people and not feeling worthy of the company of others. I never felt good enough to be around other people. So I've spent my life living in boxes, never experiencing the real world, which is difficult when you have a young daughter who looks up to you and our children are little versions of us. Now, this is something that I didn't want her to experience. So I would make conscious efforts to um, show that, this wasn't the person that, that I was, which was difficult. It's, it's hard to fake something when you were trying to be outgoing and trying to experience life and to go places. Um, but I would almost use her as my safety blanket. If we went anywhere, you know, I would hold, hold her hand um, in the same way that you need a comfort blanket. I'd carry my keys and my phone in my hands. And I know that sounds silly to, to some, but it uh, these little idiosyncrasies that, that used to you know, see me through my day. Um, all of these went away. Um, I, you know, I later come to find through researching that living the lifestyle affects mental health through um, helping with the glutamate-to-GABA ratio, which is something we can talk about again a little bit later on. But this re completely changed my life. Uh, I had a fantastic job. I was a purchasing manager, but I had felt that I'd found a secret. Everything we see in mainstream media that tells us to be fit and healthy, I become to realize was completely incorrect. Everything was upside down. People thought I was absolutely bonkers. Uh, my friends and family thought I was crazy. My doctor told me to come away from living this lifestyle because I was going to die because of all the saturated fat that I was consuming. And he was worried about the effect on my cholesterol. But I'd felt the healthiest that I'd ever felt in my life. I'd felt the best that I'd ever felt. Now, going back 10 years ago, there was very little in regards to research uh, in respect to being ketogenic and, and being carnivore at that time. Um, and what was out there was a lot of misinformation. As still today, I think you know, Google is fantastic, but there is a lot of misinformation still out there in regards to being ketogenic and, uh, and carnivore. In particular, the overconsumption of protein, you know, massive myth. Protein is the most nutrient-dense food on the planet. Um, it contains everything that we need, not just to survive, but thrive. But Lots of misconceptions, but I knew deep down that this, the way that I felt now was the best that I'd ever felt. And I didn't want to go back to feeling the way that I, I used to feel prior to this. So I went against the advice of my doctor. I went against the concerns of my family in regards to the saturated 
fats and, and cholesterol. And I began researching. And there are lots and lots of misinformation out there, especially in regards to clinical trials and studies, because a lot of these are based on epidemiology studies, which are nothing more than, than um, correlation, um, not causation. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. They are um, uh, statistics based on questionnaires and, and not uh, proper research in clinical trials. So I began to, to, to look into the difference between these research papers. I began to learn how to read these research papers. I retrained as a nutritionist. Now, what I was taught as a nutritionist was completely incorrect. Um, but the the lady uh, who took me... Um, who ran the course, a nutritionist who ran the course. She was on my wavelength. She believed everything that I believed in. And she said to me, look, I, I'm with you 100%, but these are the hoops that we need to jump through in order to, to get this, you know, th this qualification, uh, this certification. Um, and I know she was on the wavelength because she sent me links to the likes of Dr. McCaller after. Um, and, you know, anyone who follows the likes of Dr. McCaller is, is, is in our way of thinking for sure. Um, but it was it was it was a hoop that I I needed to jump through, so I did this. I began researching uh, and studying these clinical trials. And as as sad as it sounds, I still spend most of my evenings looking at clinical trials and research papers while everyone else is watching Netflix. Uh, I don't watch TV um, as such. If I do, you know, it is it is Netflix or or, or documentaries or, or something on 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 Amazon Prime, for example. But I don't watch the news anymore. Um, I think the news is full of I've, I've come to the, the, the thinking that if we are told something in the media, I've, I've come to believe that the opposite is true. So I've, I've removed myself from from the news. Um, but I persevered. I retrained and I quit my job. I quit my job. I sold my house. In fact, two houses. My wife and I sold two houses that we owned outright. And I put this into my business. I began keto coaching. Um and I developed from there, I developed a range of products to help with keto coaching in the likes of CADMCT oils and powders. Uh, and we began uh, building our online store, which is now a physical store, which is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm now, now carnivore. Um, but I try to support people coming into this lifestyle because I've been on my journey for over 10 years. So I've been ketogenic for over 10 years. Four to five years of that, I've been carnivore. But these changes were incre incremental. So coming back to your original question, the long way around to your question, that this is where I came into carnivore, uh, was through these incremental changes of low carb into, into being ketogenic. Um, I used to consume lots of greens. I thought spinach was incredibly good for me. I used to make my smoothies with turmeric and black pepper. Um, and I believe this to be true. Uh, and now I do not. I believe this to be detrimental to your health. Uh, and through laziness, through laziness, I became carnivore because to cook a steak takes two minutes. To cook veg takes a little bit longer. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm busy. My, my days are 18 hour days long, some days, seven days a week. I work seven days a week. A lot of the work that I do is free as well in regards to consultations and public speaking events. Um, Frying a steak takes takes second, you know, minutes, especially if you like it rare. Fantastic. This veg takes takes an awful an awful lot longer. So through laziness, I just began eating steak. Six months down the line, now I'd seen and um, become accustomed to these massive health benefits of being ketogenic. I was the healthiest and fittest that I had ever been in my life. When I went to only eating red meat. I moved up another peg or two. I became even healthier. And I didn't think this was even possible. I thought that I was at the pinnacle of, of health and well-being. Um, eating red meat made me healthier. So that led me into researching 
the the mineral profile, vitamin and mineral profile in plants compared to animal proteins. And I was incredibly shocked to realize plants are not as nutrient dense as we are led to believe. Plants do not contain uh, the vitamins and minerals that we are led to believe. Animal protein is the most nutrient dense food on the planet. It contains every vitamin and mineral we need, not not to survive, but thrive. Um, When I was growing up, my mother said to me, uh, eat your carrots for your eyes to help you see in the dark for retinol. Carrots do not contain any vitamin A in the form of retinol. Carrots contain uh, beta carotene, which is a precursor that needs to be acted upon by an enzyme called BCMO to convert it into the active form of retinol. Carrots and veg do not contain any vitamin A. Veg is devoid of most of B vitamins. Uh, Cobalamin, vitamin B12, cannot be found in vegetables. Um, Folate, pyridoxine, vitamin B6, um, very low in in, in plant form. Um, Creatine, choline, carnitine, carnosine, taurine, all of these we cannot find in plants. Uh, Vitamin D, we cannot get from plants. We get that from the sun and we get vitamin D from, from the meats that we eat. Vitamin K. I used to make these kale smoothies every day because I wanted vitamin K. On the pack that you pick up in the supermarket of your kale, there's a stamp that says high in vitamin K. There is no vitamin K in kale. Kale contains vitamin K, K1. The human body needs vitamin K2. We need to convert this K1 into K2, and the body does it so inefficiently, close to zero is converted. Nuts and seeds for omega-3s. Well, nuts and seeds are devoid of of omega-3s. They contain um, ALA, uh, alpha-linolenic acid, and we need EPA and DHA, epicerpentanoic and docosahexanoic, which we can only get from animal proteins. Uh, Again, we need to convert this ALA into DHA, and the body does it so inefficiently, close to zero is converted. And when we are consuming these nuts and seeds, we're also consuming lots of amounts of phytic acid as well as lectins, which causes intestinal permeability, which leads to autoimmune disease, amongst other things. And again, that's something we can go into more detail about. But that, that's what brought me into, into my, um, my carnivore lifestyle. So it was um, a four to five year transition from being low carb, ketogenic. It was these incremental changes uh, and this is why I support all forms of, of low carb. Um, I believe living carnivore to be the pinnacle of health and well-being. And I would happily support anyone who wants to gravitate into being carnivore. But what I have found is when a client or prospective customer comes to see me for a consultation or walks into the shop on the high street, um, if I tell them for optimal health, go home and eat a steak, they would look at me as if I was absolutely bonkers, walk across the road to the bakery right opposite me and stuff their face with pies and pasties because it seems too much of a big step. So it's this introduction of low carb and explaining initially about insulin resistance and the impact of of, of insulin on on fat storage and and inflammation, and then explaining the detrimental effects of, of, uh, of grains uh, the effects of things like wheat germ gluten and the lectins within the grains. And then we we nurture them and explain about the detrimental effects of seed oils and the oxidized linoleic acid, which is found in the seed oils. And it's these slow incremental changes. And I quite often use this analogy of we open the door and there's a corridor. And down this corridor, there's, there's, there's different doors. Um, now, each person I will educate to the nth degree. Um, and it's up to this person how far down this corridor or rabbit hole that they want they want to gravitate down to. I will educate as we go. If they are happy in door number three, then that's fine. They've already restricted carbohydrates. They've improved insulin sensitivity. They've reduced their grains. They're now actively avoiding seed oils. Fantastic. If that's where you want to live your life, you're going to be exponentially fitter and healthier. If you decide to move further down the line, and then you begin to look at the toxins and phytoalexins found in vegetables. Um, you know, we, we move a little, a little bit further down. And then if, if they want to become carnivore, then fantastic. And <clears throat> for me, carnivore is the pinnacle. Um, and and you've probably experienced the same as well, Stephen, that when you are treating clients with, with autoimmune issues, um, and this could be anything from, you know, arthritic type pains or 
I know MS, as we were speaking about earlier, any sort of autoimmune issue, um, Carnivore seems to be the pinnacle of reversing all of these. Now, we can make these incremental changes and people will see massive health benefits, but Carnivore is the pinnacle. If, if we can get that person to live this lifestyle, and I've got an interesting story regarding that as well, which we can touch base again a little bit. I think we've got so many stories to come back to. I think it's going to be a second podcast in this, but it that's that's my journey to date. That's what I do on a daily basis. Um and, and now I'm, I'm carnivore. Um, on a daily basis, I would generally eat nothing more than than red meat. Uh, eggs, I eat every day if you can get hold of them at the moment. There's a massive shortage on, on eggs at the moment. Um, but steak and eggs, I eat almost every day. Um, I do eat chicken and pork. There is an argument um, to not consume as much chicken and pork in, in in regards to the linoleic acid content, but then there's also a counter-argument that, that linoleic acid technically is not oxidized if the food is fresh. Um, again, that's open for debate and something that uh, I'm interested in speaking to Paul Mason about recently. I know we were chatting about Paul Mason uh, before we came on. Uh, we're looking to get him on on my podcast shortly, and I'd love to, 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 to tease his brain about this because... Um, I, I don't believe that it's it's just the the linoleic acid, the omega-6, because a little bit is essential for life, but I think it's more to do with the fact that it becomes oxidized, which is what happens to these seed oils over time. Um, and not just seed oils, even omega-3s can become oxidized. Um, so this is why I don't supplement with omega-3s. I don't supplement with any vitamin or mineral either. Um, but that that's where I am. That's where, what brought me in to becoming carnivore. Um, so it's this this uh, incremental change uh, over 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 my ten or eleven year journey, and I am absolutely thriving. But what I'd like to add quickly as well, Stephen, sorry, it, um, in order to prove how good this lifestyle was quite early on, um, now I lost a substantial amount of weight. I lost one hundred and seven pound. Uh, I became incredibly lean, which is fantastic. Um, but I was told by the community that we need carbohydrates for life. We need carbohydrates for energy. We need carbohydrates to build muscle. You and I know that this is complete is a complete fallacy. It's complete rubbish. I persevered and I wanted to prove to people that this was complete rubbish because I knew that despite losing all of this weight, despite this massive loss in in, in body fat percentage, that I was I was building muscle. Um, I wasn't training extensively. I was doing I was your average gym goer, you know, trying to, to stay fit and healthy. But I, I knew that I was gaining lean muscle mass. So I decided to enter a men's physique bodybuilding competition, an amateur men's physique bodybuilding competition. Um, I told everyone that I was entering this competition to which my friends and family begged me not to enter. Um, they begged me not to compete because they were worried that I was going to embarrass myself. Um, they know how much that I struggle with with um, anxiety and depression um, and how much that I would struggle to walk on that stage. But I told everyone because I knew that I'm not the type of person to back out of something once I've committed to it. Uh, I trained for this for a year, ketogenic, on, on you know very little carbs. At the time, I was, I was consuming veg. Um, I went on to win this comp, uh, sorry, come second in this competition, um, which gave me the bug. I persevered within... Uh, the next three years, uh, I was awarded pro status. Uh, two years following that, I went on to become British champion at a pro level. And last year in May, I won the European Championship. Now, to put that into perspective, I went from being unable to walk up the stairs in my mid to late 20s to becoming number one in Europe at a professional level to live in a ketogenic carnivore lifestyle. I've come away from this, uh, and now I've gravitated into cycling and, and running athlons and I'm training for triathlon so I can complete 180. Um, but I did this in order to to promote the lifestyle and show people that look, you know, this isn't just um, a weight loss mechanism. This is thriving. This is living your life to the max capacity and, and thriving and excelling in, in everything that we do. Um, and that's where I am in my journey. So that's, that's the short version. <laughs> So that was that was amazing. That that was absolutely amazing. So I've taken tons of notes here. Um, 
one of the th- one of the things I'm going to go through everything you just said. Then I mean, they're not been able to walk up the stairs and diabetes and all that sort of stuff. But the biggest thing that you talked about, which is something that shocked me, because I've spent three years doing this honors degree in science and uh, it's physiology and health sciences, and reading the studies is something I got. Obviously, you have to be very good at um, because you're reporting on it. And I've got an, an, an analogy for you about when you talk about correlation, which I think is really, really sums it up because so many people misreport the actual findings. And I found that, that the conclusions didn't match the data. And uh, just for those that are geeky, correlation comes from the word co-relation. So that's all it is. There's a relation, coincidence, coincidental relationship. And one of the things that um, I came up with with was an analogy in my TMA, one of my tutor marked assessments was, it's very easy to, to, to fool people. And my one was if you're at work and you take a lot of short breaks, there's a big increase in cancer. There you go. You take a lot of short breaks, you get more cancer. That's, that's a fact. Now, is that a cause? Well, of course it isn't. What's the cause? The cause is people take lots of short breaks, go out and smoke. I'm glad you've got that moment of realization. And, but that is nutrition science. That is it. They look at two things and they say, well, that's the cause. And it very rarely is the cause. And it's not an experiment. It's all observational. So uh, missing the cause is 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 deliberate. And what you said about the state funded broadcaster here. I mean, I don't I'm the same as you. In fact, your story could be my story. Taking out bread was my first thing. A big surprise, less bloating. Uh, I was pre-diabetic and all that sort of stuff. But you you have, oh, yes, and for the American people, 17 stone. In the UK, we talk about stones and pounds, but uh, in America, that's 238 pounds you got to when you were 17 stone. So how tall are you? Five foot nine, so not overly tall. Um, yeah. I think that I, I hid it fairly well. Um, you know, I, the, the pictures that I have available at my biggest, I think, were around 14 stone. Um uh, and I can share these with you. I can send you if you if you want to pop these up so people can see. But I gained three stone on top of, on top of these images, um, and I'll, I'll send another actually where you can see that you know my face is is uh, is covered in in blotches and, and, and acne, um, and this and as embarrassing as it is to say that um, I used to put uh, stuff on my face. Um, it's not mascara, is it? What what foundation? So I used to use foundation to hide these blemishes and spots uh, and in the, in the picture that i send you you know if you want to post it you can st- see that above my lip there's a big cold sore and there's a couple all over my head in spite of me wearing this this concealer and and this this foundation but um you know we, we we're in the society where men are meant to be men and you know we don't care of course we care we care how we look you know we, we just put a, a brave face on um, we care just as much, if not more, than, than women do. But we generally can't go around wearing makeup, you know. But this is something that I did to to make myself feel a little bit better. Um, and I've never told anyone that before. So breaking news. <laughs> yeah. well, the, the thing is, and, and, and I'm uh, guilty of that sort of thing as well, because there's not many before pictures for me. In my 40s, I was just getting tubbier and tubbier. So I didn't like photographs of myself. So all my photographs are me standing behind pillow boxes or behind walls and stuff. So you can't see that I'm I'm overweight. So I'm the same as you. I can't find really you know pictures where I'm really tubby and and pre-diabetic and looking unwell because I hid from those sort of photographs, which makes total sense. And I think one of the things that you picked up on there um, was being told that these medications for life and i've now got hundreds and hundreds of success stories and people just believe it don't they They just but you you know you're one of those you actually use the words you refuse to believe it and that's the same as me i think if you're questioning you realize that there is another way Uh, it's totally wrong to be told something is categoric and i'm in the diabetic field where it's um, people come to me and they're told but it's chronic and it's progressive and you can't reverse it and I think you mentioned somebody in your team recently has joined, has got a similar sort of story. Yes. So Sarah, Sarah Davis, uh, she is a neurophysiologist 
in Singleton Hospital and a lecturer for Swansea University. So this is a very intelligent person. Um, she came to see me after I began working with her husband, Mark, uh, who is a triathlete. Uh, amongst other things, he doesn't do it for a job, but he's a financial director, but he um, competes in, in Ironman competitions. Now, he came to see me to improve athletic performance. Um, off the back of this, Sarah came to see me. Uh, Sarah had suffered with diabetes for over 23 years. Um, now, again, this is an intelligent person that had looked at the data and still believed through the network you know, the, of people that she had um, through her work that reversing diabetes was almost impossible. Um, we began working together. Uh, 12 months down the line, she's lost seven stone. Uh, she reversed her diabetes. Now, we, we believe we reversed the diabetes in weeks. Um, but it takes three months in between tests with you know diabetic clinic to 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 verify this. So it, it, technically it was months, but we believe that we reversed. Now you can reverse insulin resistance uh, or, or begin to almost overnight. If you begin restricting carbohydrates today, tomorrow your insulin levels will already begin to decrease. So we can improve insulin sensitivity almost overnight. We reversed Sarah's diabetes. Sarah could barely walk. I'll share these pictures with you because the pictures are incredible. Um, similar to, to those that you showed of Adam Robinson recently, who you had on your show. Uh, incredible transformation. Uh, Sarah is, I think she weighs around eight or nine stone now. So she's incredibly small, but she could um, barely walk a mile. And now she runs marathons. Now, Sarah and I competed recently in a duathlon, our first duathlon. Uh, Sarah won her age category and she beat an awful lot of the competitors in the younger categories as well. So she went from being unable to walk a mile to running marathons in sub four hours. She's running the London Marathon on Sunday again. Excuse me. She ran the London Marathon last year and she recorded a time of four hours, 23, I believe. Now, this is a person who could barely walk a mile. Now, I have never run a marathon I've recently started running. Uh, the furthest that I've 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 run is is a half marathon. Now, anyone who who runs, you know, lots of people run marathons, but anybody who runs will know that it takes an awful long time for your body to adapt to running because of this this uh, impact on the joints and you know especially in the legs. When a lot of people will suffer with with injury, myself included, uh, I did too much too soon. Uh, but within a year, Sarah thrashed the marathon, and she did it. On she did it fasted. Uh, she only consumed uh, electrolytes, my electrolytes, the electrolytes that we produce, uh, an MCT powder for the entire entire marathon. Everyone else is stopping and picking up these gels and sweets that are, that are on option along the way. Her times, uh, her splits, her mile uh, became faster and faster throughout the marathon when everyone else that you see is fueled by glucose is the opposite. They tend to spike and then they, they tend to you know, become slower towards the end. Her splits became faster. We're expecting her to run a sub four hour, uh, but her story is absolutely incredible. Now, off the back of this, Sarah began working with me. She works with me for free. Um, we began uh, a club. We, 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 we call it Fat Club. Uh, and the reason that we decided to call it Fat Club is... Uh, not because everyone who's come in, you know, is overweight, because it's not just about weight loss. This is about health. But I want to break down this barrier that we have in regards to fat, because the second you mention fat, we automatically think eating fat makes us fat. Eating fat does not make us fat. Eating excess amounts can. Uh, now, this is how I bulk when I'm in an off season. I consume excess amounts of fat. Uh, but it's very difficult to gain weight by eating protein and fat. Um, and as you know, it's excess carbohydrate consumption. It's the effect on insulin, these lectins, um, incretin effect, uh, amongst other things um, that, that leads us to, to, to gain in this weight. But eating fat is a difficult way to, 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 to gain weight. But I'm trying to break down this barrier as far as fat consumption goes. So that's why we, we, we call it Fat Club. Um, I am thinking of changing the name to Healthy Living Club because I think it does ostracize a lot of people. Um, but Sarah began working with me in, in Fat Club. It's a club that we run on Thursdays. It's an eight-week course, and it's a course that anyone can, can come to. You don't have to be looking to become ketogenic or carnivore. 
Um, it's an educational course week on week where we explain about the detrimental impacts of grains on week one, seed oils on week two, the importance of sodium in particular, you know, uh, especially uh, 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 well, sodium, electrolytes are essential for life, but sodium in particular. Um, the Week four, we bring in carbohydrates. So th this is where we've sort of done it a little bit differently because the first thing that we look at generally is, is carbohydrates. But I think rather than confusing people and taking away this thing that is the majority of their diet, carbohydrates, because it, it almost seems like a swear word when you tell to, you know, explain to someone to, to restrict carbohydrates. And I believe that more health improvements could be seen from removing grains and the seed oils over targeted carbohydrates specifically. So that's why we, we do it this way. This way. Uh, and then it goes on and on from that. We explain the benefits of saturated fat and how cholesterol is essential for life, how we shouldn't fear cholesterol, uh, the importance of protein uh, and educational pieces in regards to ketoacidosis, amongst other things. But if there are only two pieces of things, and I'm, I know I'm going off on one a little bit here, but it, if there's only two, two takeaways that people uh, remember from this eight-week course, it's to, read, to cut the grain and drop the seed oils. If you can implement those changes, you are going to be considerably healthier during your life. Um, whether you become low carb, ketogenic, or and again coming back to that corridor, these you know this 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 ladder or this rabbit hole, if that's all you ever do, you're going to see massive improvements in health. And it's explaining to people that we're not a cult. <laughs> you know, I, I I quite often get called a cult leader, which I'll I'll take. You know, that's fine. Um, but people fear the word keto; they fear the word carnivore. So when we explain to people the detrimental impacts of these foods and what they, they do to the body. Um, they begin to realize that the cereal they're eating in the morning, the toast they're eating, or their croissants and their sandwiches are causing massive impacts to their health. And, and this, is, this isn't a diet. You know, I, I don't restrict the food I eat. I eat when I'm hungry. If I'm not hungry, I don't eat. But I eat a lot. I love the food that I eat. But I eat protein and fat. Protein and fat satiates me, fills me. Um, I I don't feel hungry. I don't get these hunger pangs. I don't get these spikes and these crashes. Uh, and it's educating people in regards to this and the effects uh, of these foods and how they block satiety signaling through block, blocking leptin, for example. Um, grains are high in lectins. Lectins block the hormone leptin. Leptin is, is a satiety hormone. It tells us that we're full. Um, it, it blocks our body's ability to tell us that we've eaten. And many people can attest to this when it comes to eating nuts. Now, nuts are high in phytic acid as well as lectins. Now, I used to love eating nuts. This was my staple when I began my ketogenic journey. Uh, but I would grab a handful of nuts and I'd walk away. And then I'd be back. I'd open up this bag of nuts. I'd have another handful. Before I knew, this whole bag of nuts had been completely destroyed. Um, and I thought that it, it is because my body wanted the fat and the protein within there. Uh, little did I know it was the you know this this impact of the phytic acid and the lectins within the nuts. Um, but again, apologies, I've gone off, I've gone off down the down, down the rabbit hole again. Um, but this is where Sarah came on board. Uh, Sarah and I uh, run this club. Uh, she helps me do other podcasts. Um, she's also retrained as a nutritionist, or so amongst being um, a neurophysiologist, she's also a nutritionist as well. Um, she works with me with Diabetes UK. <clears throat> um, she does help. She works with me as far as uh, the PHC goes. So we are taking part in, in the Public Health Collaboration Conference next month, 19th and 20th of May. Super excited and looking forward to that. Some, some incredible speakers from all over the world. Um, she's attending that with me uh, along with my wife, uh, who also works in the business. Um, but it's a perfect example of how this ripple effect. I've thrown a pebble into that pond. Um, it's touched one person, changed their life. Now, this person is a real person. Now, the mistake that I made early in my journey, I went down the bodybuilding route almost to try to prove people, look at what can be achieved. But by doing so, um, I think I ostracized uh, the, the majority of, of, of the market. Um, and I think when I compete, my body fat percentage is sub 3%. It's incredibly low. That's not healthy, 
but it's fit for purpose. It's 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 there to achieve a goal. Um, but it just shows what is possible within you know living uh, the diet and lifestyle in regards to athletic performance. But people will look at that and think, well, I don't want to be a bodybuilder. I don't want to be ripped and shredded and vascular. Uh, Sarah, I'm a real person. I am. I am this real person. My genetics are incredibly poor. I'll also send you a pic of my my father who died recently through heart complications. I didn't know him very well, um, but you can see in the pictures that I'll also send that you know this was where I was heading. This was where the lifestyle that I was living was taking me. Um, my genetics are incredibly poor, so I'm not genetically gifted, but I've. I've beaten my genetics. I've managed to change or flick the switch on my genetics through something called epigenetics. Now, epigenetics will allow us to almost change the tracks. We can we have a set of genes to take this way, this way to be obese, uh, you know, and unhealthy and suffer with all of these illnesses and diseases. Or we can flick the switch and we can move in this direction and we can flick on the switch, the genes for health and well-being. And this is controlled predominantly through diet and lifestyle. Diet more importantly. And that's what I did. Um, I flicked that switch and through diet and lifestyle, it's allowed me to improve my health and well-being, you know, uh, considerably, um, massively. Uh, and this is what it's done with with Sarah. But Sarah's a real person. Uh, she speaks to the masses on a level that I can't speak to. She's a woman. Uh, <laughs> I think, she, you know, she can speak to, uh, to women a lot better than I can. Um, but she is she's a person that we worked with. We reversed the diabetes, massive weight loss, massive health benefits. And she is now flying the flag for uh, the ketogenic and the carnivore community. Because Sarah came to me and she was she wasn't a vegan or vegetarian, but she ate very little meat. Um, she was in this way of thinking that vegetables were good for us. <laughs> as we know is completely incorrect but she now she's she's carnival she's carnival uh her meal prep for the london marathon which we were discussing before you and i came on air uh is going to be a nice fatty cut of steak about 16 hours before and then she's going to teeter in a little bit of uh of cheese and eggs maybe a, a little bit after uh, but she's going to be running fasted again and then we'll only be consuming water, electrolytes, and potentially uh, MCT, and, and maybe exogenous ketones on the day, um, which is one of the products that, that we manufacture. But it, um, she's going to be running completely fasted and fueled by fat, fueled by her, her body's own energy source. Um, and yeah, and that's where we are with Sarah. So it, and Sarah now speaks to other people. She holds her own consultations within the shop and, and online. And it's this ripple effect, isn't it? It's reaching one person that goes out. Adam Robinson, another perfect example. You know, he's doing incredibly well, and now he's out there teaching and, and trying to educate others. And again, you know, th these are two people that speak to the, to the masses in, in a way that maybe I can't speak to. You know, it. Um, uh, I do try, but I think sometimes maybe I go into too much of the science, which I've tried to abstain from, from you know, today. Uh, but it uh, it is difficult because, say, you know, you and I were chatting before we came on, the science gets me excited. It's it's within the science that the evidence lies. Um, and it's understanding this that um, that enables us to explain and educate other people. And I think sometimes when you are telling people that cholesterol is essential for life, saturated fat is essential for life, we need to have the evidence and the research and the knowledge in order to back this up. Um, and that's why I go in, into the science. But that's a little bit about Sarah. So that's what she's um, she's on board. Um, that's what she does with us within within the, the, the business. And she does it for free. Well, that's that's a brilliant answer. Uh, I'm going to pick you up on one thing, though. Surely by talking about Fat Club, you've broken the first rule, haven't you? But anyway. <laughs> that's what the first rule of Fat Club is. You don't talk about Fat Club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, one thing you said there about the science, you want the science to back it up. But I think in this community, we have such brilliant real world experience as well. And I, I, I'm i not a, a proponent of the, oh, it's just an anecdote, because 
500, I've got over 500 clients now. That's not anecdotes. That's data. That is data. Um, because it's real people, random, you know, uh, random populations from different parts of the world, all with different backgrounds. Uh, but some of the things they're doing are very similar. You know, they're taking out plants, they're taking out carbohydrates. And the, I know correlation doesn't prove causation, but when you've got 500 people that do these things, reverse diabetes, lose a ton of weight, reduce their blood pressure, you sort of think you're onto something. Uh, and the science excites me as well. Um, I love that you talk about lectins there. And the latest thing I've got into is the fake plant steroid, uh, uh, cholesterol. Yeah. yeah, yeah, phytosterols. So the more we get into this, the more we learn and the more we realize that we've been duped, basically. Um, and I get very fed up with, uh, in Britain, the um, state-funded broadcaster that neither of us watch just spread such misinformation it's not based it's not based on science but it's also not based on real world experience because the thing they're pushing is the complete reverse everyone is getting more obese everybody who's following their guidance by the way you know everyone's getting more obese more diabetes more autism there's more depressions more anxiety so they don't have either thing the science is badly presented epidemiology which is uh, adjusted and um, not convincing in any way it's not strong evidence and the real world evidence is it doesn't work and they try to blame the person you see i can get on a bandwagon as well richard <laughs> um, you know and and it's not the person it's the advice the advice they're given is fundamentally uh, demonstrably wrong absolutely um for sure thanks um, for Coming back to what you were just saying there, it um, you know you you say that um, you've only got this evidence from five hundred people. Five hundred people is is an awful lot of evidence. That is considerably more than most of the studies, these epidemiology studies that that we are you know uh, are, are given on a daily basis. That is a study, in my opinion, and it is a study that carries an awful lot of weight. Five hundred people improving their health and well being through adjusting the food that they consume is is, is massive evidence. Um, so fair play, well done to you. Yeah, I mean, I've, I was looking at a study where it was four weeks. They looked at these people for four weeks and sample size was 68. And they came to this massive conclusion about cholesterol. And I just thought, wow, this is so weak. I mean, I would, as a, you know, as a, when I was a student, I would have been embarrassed to use that as my evidence. I wouldn't have even used it as my evidence. And these, these are big influencers putting this sort of stuff up um, yeah. with no statistical power, very small sample size. And, and people don't understand that, really. I mean, I use the analogy when people don't get it. I've got an apple tree out in the garden. That might give me 100 apples. Well, if I pick two off of that and said, right, I've got two measurements here for these apples, the weight. Well, that's going to tell me about the whole hundred. I can make I can make all these assumptions based on these two apples. Um, oh, that's ridiculous. And and also, you know, I could be apple picking, couldn't I? If I wanted to think my tree is really great, I would pick the two biggest apples. I would do that. Or if I was given ten and allowed to use four, and this is where you know we talk about adjustment and uh, not randomising it properly. I could take out the six smallest apples. Couldn't I? I mean, this, I, I try to give it a real world twist for people to see how these, you know, these statistics are arrived at that are so bogus, basically. Um, I like what you did there. The apple picking opposed to the cherry picking. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, it, you know, it, it's interesting because you could basically be saying my story. I mean, going against a doctor's advice, uh, I gave up on doctors over 10 years ago. And I've never been healthier. I've, no, I've actually not been to the doctor. I don't need to. Um, and I, I'm very tempted to get into bits we shouldn't get into. But your training, <laughs> training as a nutritionist, you see, when I did my diabetes qualification, um, I didn't believe what I was writing. And the only way to pass was to write what you're indoctrinated, grainwashed, basically. And yes, I didn't mis mispronounce that. I was grainwashed. Um, and then you get into the real world and you realize if you want to reverse diabetes, you've got to actually look at a completely different paradigm, which is just reducing carbohydrates, not having snacks and, oh boy, everything. <laughs> it, it's so corrupt, I think, that um, unfortunately uh, we need to follow the money. It comes back to profit. I had a conversation recently with, with Ben Azadi in America. 
Uh, and Ben said to me that um, in the States, it costs around $30 to educate someone enough to reverse their diabetes. Yet the pharmaceutical companies will, will go on to make $700,000 on medication. Which one do you think they're going to do? Um, and as corrupt as it sounds, because we believe that our government has our best interests at heart. I know it's getting a little bit deep now, but it, unfortunately, I don't believe that they do. Um, it's all of the money. It's these these pharmaceutical companies are owned by the same companies that own the food industry. One company or one set of companies will give us advice uh, and and tell us what foods to eat, and we become sick. And then they'll pass us over to their business partners, the pharmaceutical companies who give us medication to make us better. Now, I work alongside lots of doctors who are enlightened doctors who understand you know, the lifestyle that we live in uh, and promote it. Um, some of which will send me uh, you know, cancer patients, for example, uh, to live a carnivore or keto-based lifestyle. So this is how deep they are into things. But the, the doctor generally has your best interests at heart. They want to help you. But they, they are taught by the pharmaceutical companies. They are taught to issue medications. Uh, medication uh, look, doesn't look at the root cause. It looks at symptoms, and we need to address the root cause. Well, if, if you have a headache, what's causing that headache? If you're tired, what's causing that tiredness? If you're suffering with depression or anxiety, what's caused? Medication is fantastic. I'm not saying there isn't a place for medication. I've taken medications in my life, uh, and, and I would do so again if I needed to. Um, my requirement to do so is massively reduced since living this lifestyle, but I'm not against medication, um, but we need to look at the root cause. If we have a problem with inflammation, if we have a problem with insulin resistance, these can all be reversed and addressed through diet and lifestyle. Subtle changes. Uh, and when, when I use the term diet, I'm not talking about restricting. I'm talking about eating highly satiated food and eating eating food until you are um, satiated and no longer hungry. This isn't a restrictive lifestyle. Um, if, if you were uh, Stephen or anything like me, um, I eat lots of food. <laughs> lots and lots, mountains of food. Um, I don't eat at the same time every day. Uh, I eat when I'm hungry. And recently I've learned to stop eating when I'm full. So we, we are in this society where we need to clean our plate. We need to empty our plate. Now I've learned if I'm halfway through my meal and I'm full, I'll stop eating. I won't waste my food. I'll pop it in into the microwave to keep, you know, or, or, or the fridge. Uh, I'll wrap it up and I will go back and eat that next time I'm hungry. So I, I won't waste my food. Um, all the food I eat is locally sourced. Uh, it's from a local butcher, which is sourced from two miles down the road. Um, so it's all ethically sourced as well. But I eat when I'm hungry. If I'm hungry, I don't eat. So this isn't a diet, is it? It's not a restrictive lifestyle. This is a thriving lifestyle, as I'm, I'm sure you'll uh, you'll agree. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Your support means the absolute world to me. And if you're enjoying the show, I've got a small favour to ask you. I'd be incredibly grateful if you would consider becoming a supporter and make a small monthly donation. Your contribution will really help to improve the show. I'll be able to improve the software, maybe put a few more episodes out and do many things that I'm hoping to do in the future. Do them a lot quicker. So it's a small monthly contribution. You can cancel at any time and the link is in the show notes. Thanks very much for listening.